previously on Off the Spectrum. Uh, we're seeing a really big change in demographics. Demographic changes, I think, are incredible. But I think that it's really hard for everybody to accept the diversity in the community. There was a father, a white father and a white daughter. The father glared at my daughter, like hatefully glared at her. We got out, we, we looked at each other and kind of had to confirm from, with each other, like, did we just see that? When people of color speak in this town and say, a thing has happened to me, listen with open ears and open hearts. And that then when the time comes and someone says, you know, we're a great town and nothing bad happens here, but they're brave enough and they're, they're empowered enough to say, actually, this is what I know to be true. I think what the hate incident does, or the hate crime, is it lends even greater ur urgency to the work that we're doing. From Acton Boxborough Regional High School student-led newspaper, it's off the spectrum. I'm Sophie Zay. We're at part three of our racial incident series, Reform. We asked our interviewees the ways they've responded to the incident and the ways the organizations they are part of have responded to the attack currently. You know, I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know what else I want from the school committee right now because we're, we're, we're so busy. There's just so much, there's so much to do. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I want, I, I want this school committee to, to keep doing the work on behalf of the students of Acton Boxborough. That's all I can ask right now, because it's all we're doing. It's so much. It's, I mean, the pandemic makes it hard. The, the reckoning makes it hard. Everything's hard. So I just, I just kind of want us to hold on and keep going. That's what I want to do. <laughs> what are some things you would like to see more of from this um, community? You know, I, I, I think I, I want to see more, um, you know, I, 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 I want to see even more participation um, in, in these trainings and in these book clubs and in these conversations that are happening around town. Um, I, I want to see, you know, these, these organizations that have been working so hard, so AB United Way and Fostering Racial Justice, um, and and racial justice for Black Lives and uh, eCares and Absedge and there's so many right there's like so much there's so many different groups doing different things um, I I want to see them thrive mm -hmm. um, you know on on really good conversation and um, I, you know I, I want to see um, I I, I want to see them empowered to keep talking and and keep um, you know, and keep pushing and keep elevating. Um, I, I want people to feel unafraid to participate in those things and to learn a little more. And again, to to practice. It's practice. Um, so so practice. I, I want to see more people practicing. Um, and and we have infrastructure, and 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 those infrastructures are awesome. And they'll hopefully they'll they'll be. Uh, you know, even more supported as we go. And if they are, then I hope even more people join them. I mean, education, these things, I mean, we look at our incidents and we say, all right, you know, we have as much as our neighboring towns. It's always going to be a problem. It's never okay. Um, but these conversations and, and for kids to do it and us to look at these incidents over the years 
and say, yeah, you know, maybe we had six this year, maybe we had seven, maybe we had one in 2018. Uh, one's too much. Right? We want to live in a society where everyone feels comfortable in their skin. I want my daughters to go to school and feel comfortable in who they are. Right? This is what we all, all want out of life. People do things, especially at a young age. I mean, we could, I'm not, I'm a police officer. I won't break down the psychological aspect of it. We know the brain doesn't, you know, form properly until your late twenties. We're not going to go down that road. Um, but we know kids do things without thinking. They don't understand the consequences sometimes, but these behaviors are either seen, they're experienced, they're learned, they're taught. But I don't for a second feel, because I love this community, I don't feel for a second that you guys are taught in third grade to not like people that look like me. Like, I don't believe that's happening. I don't believe that, um, you know, we all have bias. If I ask everyone in this place right now in the Zoom meeting, do you have bias? If, if you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to say you're lying. You know, we have life experiences. We have things our parents taught us. We have things we've seen on movies. We, we, we have feeling. It's implicit, right? We don't have to act. It's naturally within us. Could we ever fix every single person? I wish we could, but you know we can't. Are there things taught at home that you, me, the school, we can't, we can't fix. I can't teach what your parents might have taught you because they learned something as a kid. I can't, I can't fix that as a police officer. The school can't fix that. What we can do is tell you when it occurs, it's not welcome. It's not welcome. And that's what we can do. The school can say that's not welcome. The police can say that's not welcome. The townspeople can say, that's not welcome, right? The bully in the schoolyard is gonna look for a reaction. So yeah, we have a little bit higher numbers and say, you know, another town. Newton has four, Arlington has seven, right? Lawrence has five and we have three. It's not that Acton has this huge issue. Every town has an issue. And every town, every town has life experiences. We're just gonna denounce it and say, listen, we're not going to give the bully power because that's all it is. Bullies are cowards and they hide behind their issues. And they're going to come out here and portray this, this feeling of grandiose and who they want to be and try to intimidate other people so they'll get a reaction. That's what we need to continue to do as a town is we all get together and say, absolutely not, not welcomed, not in our town. But we're not going to wake up tomorrow and say, why can't Acton Police fix this? Why can't the school fix this? It's going to happen. We just need to say it's not okay. So we are, we're a group of educators committed to racial and social justice. And we have a certain fear, sphere of influence uh, within the high school and greater Acton and Boxborough community. So through our various committees, you know, we have four committees, the student voice uh, and learning, the faculty voice and learning policy and practice and um, community relations. Um, so we're raising awareness and providing education about issues related to race, equity, social justice in our school. Um, I think that the work that we're doing has never been more important um, to impact the change that we so desperately need and that we've needed for centuries in this country. The big thing is just having those conversations. Um, that's so important, leaning into the discomfort. Um, and I mentioned restorative justice. Um, I would like to see us having whole and just relationships with one another in the entire community. Um, and what does that mean? That means that there's justice, um, but it also means that when somebody is whole, it means they can be who they are. They're free to be 
completely who they are and they're accepted and they're not discriminated against. Built into our mission is the desire to encourage conversation among all members of the community. So administrators, teachers, and students. Um, and that, that also foster that collective growth, grow, uh, growth, I should say. Not enough to just sort of be innocent bystanders that we really need to actively protect and stand by our um, all of our committee members and that um, there just needs to be more more efforts to ensure that um, Ms. Cook and Ms. Abaya Isa feel safe and heard and feel like the committee is a place where they want to be in conversation about being active bystanders and how to best have these conversations. And, you know, we started our, our school committee work this year. There is a, um, an organization called SEED that our school district works with before the school committee uh, went on a retreat and had SEED training for an entire weekend. Our, our school leadership team has had training with the SEED leaders. Their um, staff has had training with the SEED leaders. We've been working with them and our school committee um, year this year began with a workshop on having different difficult conversations and um, appreciating our implicit bias that each of us carries with us and um, opening ourselves up to listening different to different perspectives and understanding how our bias, our own bias affects you know, everything that we do. And so I think that this is something that the committee has been aware of and has been working on, but I think the next steps we need to take are in looking at our own biases. Um, how do we, how do we work on the, um, how do we work on things within our, how do we have an impact on things in our school district so that, um, there is more equity in education. And so that includes things like hiring policies, which you've heard us talk about at school committee meetings and looking at curriculum, looking at um, discipline policies within the high school, different, different things like that. One of the things before COVID shut everything down, we were doing tours of the schools. And when we did a tour of the high school, we, um, we were able to sit in on an upper level uh, math class, an honors math class that was maybe like, I, I think it might've been junior year. I don't think it was a calculus class. And um, it was remarkable how few girls were in this class. I mean, it was remarkable. There was like 32 kids in the class and I think that there was five girls, it was nuts. So, um, you know, personally for me, it's looking at all kinds of things. So what are the policies that we have in place that allowed that to happen. And, and in a sort of reverse diversity thing, maybe if you want to think about it that way, there was only like three white students in this, in this class. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at what diversity means. And there's a lot of ways to look at things. So as a committee, we're specifically looking at things that may impact race in our, in our schools. And I think that that's the first place we need to start. But when we talk as a committee about different policies, we, we really take a heart. That's just another example of looking at like, okay, so how did we get there? You know, 50% of our population at the high school is female. So why, 
is there only a tiny percentage in this math class? What sort of policies were in place? You know, I don't think that any of us would jump to the conclusion that girls just aren't good at math. I think we all know that that's not the case. So, so what happened? And so I think that we are looking at all of our policies from that kind of a perspective of why, and in the same thing, why, why are there no black students in this class? You know, I mean, even though there may be a smaller percentage of black students at the high school, certainly there should be a representative percentage within any, any class, any particular class that you would look at. We realized that we as educators needed to, you know, have a group that worked towards anti-racism within our, within our two communities and within our district. Um, I don't so much think that, and again, this is just my perspective, not speaking, you know, for the whole committee. Um, you know, I don't think so much that the racist incidents that took place at the school committee meetings have completely changed our direction or our idea of the work that needs to be done within the district. I think it makes it all the more pressing. I think it um, probably underlines or highlights for all of us how important the work that we're doing really is. So how do you think the committee should respond to this incident? How can they prevent future hate crimes like this? It's a great question. I think I think it's something that we all need to work on together. I think, um, you know, it, it would be a shame to lose the transparency and the accessibility of the school committee, but it also is really imperative that we stop allowing our leaders to be abused in that way. And so, um, you know, I think, I think we, we need to do something that um, Kira and Evelyn in particular um, are comfortable with and approve of. And I'm honestly, I'm, I'm not sure what that solution would be. It's a combination of, of things. It's um, doing more work on themselves, trying to understand um, their own perspectives and trying to really listen hard to other people's perspectives. And then, you know, I guess what I had said before, as far as finding a way to be more uncomfortable about the impacts of racism than the fact that the word racism is being brought up so that, so that anytime they witness or see, you know, um, as you do more work, you'll probably notice more racism. And as, you know, to just bring, um, to voice your discomfort every time you see racism happening. Like if, if somebody's name is mispronounced, you know, um, say, oh, I thought that their name was this, or, you know, just um, always, always advocating against racism. I think, I think if, um, I think it needs to be something that, that people who are not the targets speak up about regularly so that the whole community um, changes, shifts. First off, I would hope that people are supportive of the victims rather than questioning it, downplaying what happened. I heard some comments of kind of like, oh, it was probably just a kid or just a teenager. Um, but regardless of who it's coming from, it, it still hits you the same way it hits you. Um, and so I would have hoped to see more empathy for the victims. Um, and then once they're taken care of and okay, 
um, then I, I think it's up to everyone else to be interrogating how it's been allowed and how it happened here. Um, I think if people put as much effort into preventing these types of things and kind of figuring out why there is racism that's so prevalent in our community, rather than arguing about it or defending whoever did it or trying to come up with all these other conclusions, we would have so much more power put towards something so good rather than just wasting it, arguing when we all know that it was wrong. Um, and so I just, I hope that our community can come together for a bigger purpose other than this one issue, right? The bigger issue is just racism in our community. Um, and it's really crappy that it happened to Evelyn and Kira, but they're not the first and they likely won't be the last until we figure something out. How do you think our com community can better empower these people in color? I think the first step would just be believing people of color. Um, when we say experiences hurt, when we say things are harmful, take it as hurtful and harmful. Don't start questioning or minimizing the impact. It's important for us to have people that reflect us. I mean, our, our, most of our boards in Acton at least are very white and male dominated, I think. Um, and so I, I think it's hard to see yourself in that position if you've never seen anyone that looks like you in that position. So I think diversifying this, the teaching body, diversifying town government. Um, and then I think eradicating as much racism as we can would really help. Um, I mean, we see people like Kieran Evelyn, they have positions of power in this community and they are treated poorly. And that's a nice way of saying it. Um, so I think these incidents almost tear down any progress that we've built by electing these people to these positions because it's a threat to everyone else that looks like them. I mean, the harm isn't solely on them, even though they were the victims. So the curriculum in the high school needs to be kind of redesigned. Um, I think especially in the mascot issue, I truly understood how learning a singular narrative can affect how you see bigger issues outside of the classroom and later on in life. Um, and so I think that if we redesigned curriculum to include multiple perspectives on an issue, you would have a bigger, well-rounded understanding of issues and would be able to comprehend that there's more than just the white narrative. Um, I think especially like we learn about the Civil War, or we did when I was in high school, as an issue of states' rights and never mentioned that it was about slavery. Um, and so I, I think that that would really put kids on a better track to be able to critically think about issues like the mascot. Um, and then I also think that investing time and money into trainings, courses, 
whatever it takes for people to be on the same level of understanding about race and racism would be really important because I think that there's been a big call in our community to have community conversations or dialogues and I, I think that's incredibly important but I don't think that we're all on the same page of what racism is and because it's not just lynchings it's not just Jim Crow segregation and so I think that if we put those resources into getting us all on a at least the same book then we would be able to kind of move forward together rather than separately in our own silos but I'm really not sure what the short-term solutions are I I think that basic education and interrogating identity and how your identity plays into your worldview and perspective would be important but I'm not sure I'm not sure how much progress can be made when these people have been hearing one singular narrative for their whole lives up till like recently. So I don't think that they're end all be all solutions, but they're just a couple of things that have kind of been rolling around in my mind is how can we improve the situation at least? I think one of the things that we can take away is that our community um, needs an upgrade. Like we need to update our mindsets. We need to start talking about this. And I think we can take away that we have racist uh, incidents that happen at AB and we ignore it. So from this, so we're never gonna ignore a racist incident again. And we're gonna talk about it and educate other people in our community. So it doesn't happen again. Yeah, this definitely showed that our community is flawed and there's so many barriers that we need to combat to really foster a safe community for everyone. And we definitely need to like remedy these disparities. We need to advocate for what's right. And um, yeah, these incidents should definitely open the eyes of those that believe racism only exists outside of the AB community. Um, and we really need to just address it to promote a safe community for everyone. As we work diligently in our present, we can look towards the future and towards the environment we want our homes to become. Here are our interviewees' hopes and aspirations for the future. So it was it was everything from a, a torrent of emails um, and text messages and calls. Um, people who 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 live in Acton and in Bucksboro, but also in Maynard and Harvard and Brookline and Concord and you know all sorts of different people. Um, I have people in Boston, um, I, you know, because there, there was a Boston Globe article, and and there are people who I haven't spoken to in years who were like, "I saw your name in the Globe. How did this happen?" Um, so that was that was interesting. Um, so so there was that, but then there was also, um, you know, we I have children, and they're part of different groups here in town, and um, those families, you know, they just wanted to know how they could help my my kids. And um, there, there are moms who I've worked with or hung out with or are just like even loosely affiliated with who were like, what can we do for you? Um, you know, Christmas cookies came to the door and, you know, people sent me air hugs from my driveway and all of that was really wonderful. It was, it was what I needed. How do you think support um, helps people when they experience these injustices? They affirm 
you know, the, the point of, in, of these injustices and these hate incidents is to dehumanize. And when you affirm, when you, when you listen with your whole ears and your whole heart, you affirm the humanity of the person sharing the story. Mm-hmm. You, you, you restore it, you, you, um, you affirm it, you uplift it, you honor it. Um, you know, there, there, there is, you know, there's desecration in dehumanization. And, and when you, you know, when, when you choose to give, you know, to, to give the victim the space to share and breathe and be known, then, then you restore that, you counter that. And that's really important. It's powerful. It's essential. It's everything. Being black at AB, um, being black in this community has generally been positive, I, I would say. Um, and and my experience as a black woman living in Acton is, a, you know, basically to it just to be another human in the space, right? And and that's good. And I, I want to make sure that that's really clear. That I, you know, I'm not walking around like hunkered and scared. That's not that's not my experience. Um, I think that sometimes, you know, yes, it's been lonely and it's been cautious and I've been, you know, cognizant about, you know, not always having my hair wrapped when I go certain places or, um, you you know, just being very aware of myself in spaces. Um, I, I would say, 99.9% 99.9% of my experience here has been welcoming though. I, you know, that, 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 you know, there are places in town that I love and that I, um, where I know when I walk in, I am being loved and welcomed. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. I, you know, I chose a great place to live, um, you know, and it's, it's beautiful and it's amazing and it's dynamic and it's interesting and that's awesome. And to to be black in Acton Boxborough means that I'm also a part of that dynamic nature. Um, I you know I'm part of the reason why this town is so interesting and different than all the other places. And and I you know and I I think that to be um, to be of color in Acton means that we're part of that. We're 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 these really cool ripples in this pond. I think that people just who don't live here don't even understand how cool we actually are. Um, so I'm, I'm, I would say that my, uh, you know, my experience as black in AB is one of like being a cool kid and being grateful to be here. <laughs> so Acton Police, and I'm just representative of, the, of the Acton Police in our town as a whole. <clears throat> we want to continue to be transparent with you. We want you guys to understand that there is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. I want people to understand that everyone's welcome here, regardless of what you look like, how you feel, where you're from. Right? This is the message kind of that we have for the town. And is that if you're not comfortable with something, you don't agree with something, you're more than willing to contact me, anyone in this town, and say, hey, Detective Mike, this is how I feel about it. And this is what I think is, is real or not real or anything. And, and we, look, we look forward to having those conversations. Some of these conversations are really difficult. But I'm never going to sit here and I don't want any of you guys to ever walk away and say, I don't think Detective Mike was being honest. I don't think that, you know, I think he was just trying to be a showmanship or, or, or just pull one over my eyes. I don't. I want you all to walk away as if it was sixth grade ice safe and you guys came up to me and said, 
I think this guy's being real. I think I think he's being truthful with me. Like this is what he needs for us to think and want us to be a team. We're a team, right? You guys are a daughter, a son to me. That's just the way I make this feel. That's the way I make the town feel. That's the way I want them to feel. Um, but some people don't like police, and I get it. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't give us a chance. Please do. Um, we welcome it. And I hope that we can continue to work together, whether you're students, whether you're adults, whether you're anything. It's just a, let's continue to be a family. Let's continue, continue to be a community because that's really what this is all about. It's a, it's a struggle for all of us, but I want us to wake up and feel safe. And that's our goal. Part of eCare's role, as I had kind of mentioned, is to, to help, I think, the teachers feel more confident and comfortable having these conversations in our classrooms. That's certainly one of the ways in which um, eCares can create change because, you know, I think our hope would be then that the more confident and comfortable teachers feel in their classrooms having those conversations, that that will um, translate to the kids in our classrooms and then they will feel safer and more confident to engage in those those conversations and in that work. And, you know, if they happen to witness something that they feel uncomfortable about or that they feel might have been a racial incident, that they can have an adult they go to because they've seen, you know, that that x y or z teacher is comfortable engaging in those conversations and and standing up as an ally i think that every kid can walk in with confidence and know that they could um you know that that they can lead if they choose to and um even in a perfect world people are always going to you know accidentally offend one another or something and and so just you know to have a kind of community where people are confident enough in themselves and their friends that they speak up and, and intervene and give each other, you know, like, yeah, just, I guess, just grow together. Yeah. So where do you think this change that you described can begin? You know, I think, I think it's, I mean, it's beginning with, with you, with the, you know, the, the students of Absedge, like, I think it's, um, I think the students are, are demanding it now, which is, tremendous. And, and I think that, um, I, I think the real change is, is really beginning with our students. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, that it's going in that direction, but I think that it's really making a huge difference. I would like us to be a genuinely diverse community that doesn't feel like they constantly have to brag about their diversity, right? Like, the diversity would just be normal. It wouldn't be something that we can stick a sticker on and say, look at us. And I think that I would hope that AV is more tightly knit and there's more interaction between folks, different races, ethnicities, cultures. Um, I really hope that we are at a point soon enough where we believe people of color and we honor their experiences and we are working together actively to keep people safe and it's not oh it's racism like that's not my issue it's oh it's a community member in need like it's all of our issues I would love for there not to be this like weird divide in our community I understand why it's there but I really hope that we can kind of sew things back up <laughs> we'd like to start concluding our podcast with a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. In a real sense, all life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. 
I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be, and you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality. Change will come for all of us, but creating change in a community and in ourselves is truly a learning process. I, I think that the, that the community has learned that the stories are true, that there are neighbors of ours who live in our community and have felt underserved and underseen and underknown and underheard and perhaps disconnected uh, simply because of, of this static, this, this little bit of veil between us all. And, and suddenly we have this inciting incident and people have watched me and Evelyn, two women of color, deal with it in real time, in public, in, in different ways, and have been validated and affirmed at every single step and, and have witnessed the chorus of support around the both of us. And have now felt like, oh, I can lend my voice to this. I see what this looks like. I know what this sounds like. And I can make a difference here by doing this, this, and this, right? I I think that the town has learned that it is empowered, that individuals are empowered to do great things um, and to to do things that are helpful in the moment. And there's many ways to do that. Um, So, you know, choose a task, Uh, choose a lane, choose that one good thing that you're going to do to be supportive of the people of color in your community. And that, that even can be just listening and, and, you know, offering, and then being told, I, you know, I don't need anything. I just needed that, that listening ear Um, and having that be enough. Right. I, I just think that that's so, that's what we're learning and we're learning it in real time under pressure. It's been, it's been intense. It's been an intense couple of weeks. Yeah, and going off of your point about the static and like veil between us all, what do you think were some things that were holding holding people back before? Mm. From from speaking to each other, I, I think that there is I, I what I've heard a lot is about this fear of saying the wrong thing. I, you know, I'm worried that I'm gonna say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. So I don't even you know, I don't even know how to begin. I understand where that fear comes from. And I have explained to those who would listen that um, this is a practice, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that, that anti-racism, anti-bias, um, allyship, co-conspiratorship <laughs> is a practice. It is, it, just like anything else, you, you must, you know, you must make the choice to try and then try and then fail and then try again and get a little better every single time. Mm. You must give yourself the grace to do that. You know, that, that gift of grace for yourself is probably the most important thing in the very beginning. Um, and then, uh, you know, make room for, for yourself for grace as you go, remembering that it's a practice just like anything else. And to truly conclude, here's a message from Kira Cook to the teenagers in our district. I'm so grateful. I, I'm, I'm grateful to your peers who sent me emails and um, to your teachers and to your, your, your leaders 
um, I, I'm, I am so grateful um, for the inspiration uh, because, uh, you know, I will always say it. I just, you know, ABRHS high school students are, y'all are amazing. And I, I, I know that must be hard to hear as teenagers in the crucible of the moment. And, and I, I, I have no doubt that what you do is really, really hard times 10 because of the pandemic. I, I just want you to know how impressive you are and, and how inspirational you are and, and how what you do matters and how when this high school crazy is over and you go off on your wild adventures that uh, that you will take all of this power with you. You're like little tiny, um, not supernovas, but like, uh, you know, that those those stars just about to explode. This like, oh, it's all in there. And then you're just going to go like, oh, and change the world. And it's going to be crazy. So uh, that's what I want you to know. I, I, I want your classmates to know that and, and, and tell them I see them. I see you. I'm inspired by you. I'm honored to serve you. Thank you for listening. This was Off the Spectrum. Off the Spectrum is brought to you by Olivia Hu, Anush Gowani, Supriya Shroff, Jasmine Wu, Rebecca Zhang, Melina Zhu, and your host for today, Sophie Zhang. Also, with thanks to Michelle Gong, Sophie Wu, Francesca Cervello, and Maddie Diaz. And special, special thanks to our advisor, Ms. Hammond.